Hi, my name is Scott Kerland, and my best friend Lils Martin hates musicals. I'm Lils Martin, and my friend and acquaintance Scott Kerland loves musicals. Wait, what? But I don't like I don't like begrudging for it or anything. Wait, I don't know. I said you were my best friend, and you just called me a friend and acquaintance. Yeah. I was working really, really hard on creating this podcast for you where I show you great movie musicals and bad movie musicals because I love you, but you want to be a dick. We were supposed to record this promo for Hell is a Musical, and what are we doing right now? Sounds like we're recording the promo right now. Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network. Be there. They said in the beginning that drops of Nicolas Cage would make me do a month-long podcast, but I never took them seriously, and never again will I look at Nicolas Cage the same way, especially when he drinks water, because of the color out of space. It's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. They should have been put back in the barn hours ago. You haven't even fed them yet, have you? Dad, I tried, but... What do you mean, you tried? Do you have any idea how much those animals cost us? They are alpacas. Alpacas. Tear me apart, Lisa! Snap out of it! You owe me 15 grand, pal. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. Hi, welcome to Rider's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kerland. No? Oh, do I, I could. I didn't know if you like you introduced. I haven't done this in so long. I don't know if you like introduce people or. And I'm Dwight Stearns. <laughs> we, we, gotta, we gotta get classic Dwight. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah, yeah, it's, like well, we, it's like I never left. Yeah. I think the last time you were on was literally a year ago. It was the 100th episode, I believe. Yeah, that, that came out a year ago. <laughs> what episode are you on now? Uh, one- I follow the podcast. <laughs> It's okay. Uh, I think we're on, by this point, it'll be like 137, 138. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so, Closing in on 150. <laughs> that would have been weird. Right, I'm, I'm every 50 episodes now. Yeah. For it. So what did we watch? Because we're in Stars and Gripes, and all month long we've been doing Nicolas Cage movies. And yeah. you're, you're the last... Uh, Nicolas Cage movie we're doing. Well, that I think that's fitting because uh, as far as I know, the movie that we did, uh, Color Out of Space, as you said in the introduction, um, is the most recent Nicolas Cage movie, if I'm not mistaken. There might be... Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Color Out of Space, uh, the, the newest Cage movie, um, and it's uh, an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation, which it's is a really movie. cool. It, I, you know... Okay, so uh, Scott, when Scott approached me to, to do this... Um, Nicholas Cage, awesome topic because this man has a like a three decade, four decade career at this point. He's been going since the eighties. Eighty one. Eighty one was Valley Girl, right? Which was no, eighty one was Fast film. Times. Fast oh. Times at Ridgemont High. He played one of Judge Reinhold's friends. Okay, then my 82 mistake. Eighty two was Valley Girl. Okay, that was his first starring role. Yeah, um, or like where he, where played he was Ronnie. Like, yeah, Valley Girl was awesome. Um, we almost did that. Like that. Was I one wish of the we did that. Really, I I liked color. Um, well, 
this one just Go. disturbed me. Absolutely, definitely. So Cage has been doing, from what I can tell recently, um, some really messed up stuff, and that's kind of in my wheelhouse. I really like horror. I really like this, like uh, you know, existential terror type stuff. Um, you know, there's been a lot of really good like uh, horror movies in this vein recently, and so there was it was this or Mandy were the two options. Yeah, and- we started at the beginning of the month. We started with. Uh- award winner classic cage because that was mm-hmm. the 80s decade we started with moonstruck cool then we went to movie star cage um you, did you you did face off and con air right and the, and didn't those two City come of out angels. the same oh okay oh angels nice didn't con air and face off come out in the same year they came out a week apart okay well shit so okay but that's <laughs> 1997 like, yeah so, so that is like you know prime cage yeah and what I also forgot to mention in the year of 1997, that February, he also had Snake Eyes come out. I don't, I'm not familiar with that one. That was the one where he was a dirty cop who basically um, is at a boxing match and sees a crime, but no one believes him because he's a dirty cop. Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting premise. I, I'm honestly, I I know Cage by his reputation. I have not seen that many Nicolas Cage movies. I don't think. Yeah. Um, at this point, he, I I watched so many Nicolas Cage movies this month and did so much research that I I think he might be one of my favorite actors now because he's so crazy. He's not bad. He is not a bad actor. Like uh, he gets he's not a good of, one like, either. <laughs> no, he has his moments, but like he like. In um, like I know it's his first movie, we're just or his first starring role, but like in Valley Girl, he's like legitimately good. He's and very charming. Exactly. Um, the the man is a movie star for a reason. I it's literally just, said in the City of Angels episode, Dwight, that I would fuck Nicolas Cage from City of Angels. Okay, that's totally fine. Is that the one where he's drinking himself to death? No, that's leaving Las I, Vegas. Okay, leaving Las Vegas. My City of like, Angels I, is the one where he gives up being an angel to be with Meg Ryan, and then she dies as soon as he becomes human. Well, you know. Uh, like you do. Why not? Well, <laughs> I, don't think, I haven't seen that one. It's her but. fault. It's literally her fault that she Whoa, does. are we victim blaming here? No, it's she is fault. riding a bicycle without a helmet and her eyes are closed and she has her arms spread out. Is and she like hoping that the angel will save her? No, she's basically happy that she just boned Nicolas Cage, but. So you would die too then. That's what you're saying, because there's no way that you would not do the exact same thing if you had just boned Nicolas Cage. I would wear a helmet. Oh, very fair. But yeah, I I might do the arm thing, but but my eyes would stay open. We also grew up in an age where um, I feel like bike safety was a very paramount thing when I was young. Yeah, we had scruff and gruff. Exactly. So I'm not sure if like Meg Ryan grew up during a time period where that was as ingrained in the culture. Click it or ticket, Scott. So we, we went from movie star cage and now we're ending in the IRS years. <laughs> uh, if uh, this is um, there's a f- uh, familiar phrase that I hear a lot is like uh, if the check clears, like that's like the, the phase that the people get into, like if the check clears, well, they'll do the movie. He has to make so many movies now to pay off his 60 million dollar IRS debt. Oh, I was unaware of that because he bought it- an island. <laughs> I would too if but, I was Nicolas Cage. But he didn't pay taxes on that island. So he so in the research, he bought an island, he bought okay. an Italian villa, he okay. bought a mansion in the haunted quarter of New Orleans. Oh dude, slow down. I, it gets worse. He bought a winery. 
but that should make money, right? Was it was it a failed investment? I assume. I don't think like I think he just bought it for the vineyard. He didn't buy it for like to make wine. Okay. What's okay? Sure. So then his money guy just wasn't paying off these properties. His money, like so, like his like an his financial or like consultant. Or, okay. Wow. Well, that, see, that sounds like it's more on the financial consultant then. If if they're just not paying them off, like <laughs> I just imagine why, why that is... his his consultant is like Wayne Knight from from for, for <laughs> yeah, like like oh, I promise that I'm gonna pay all of these people. And then he gets Don't spit worry. in the face by a spitter dinosaur. Yeah. You know, well, like what happens with Wayne Knight. So so in this period, starting in 2009 until now, so the last 11 years, Nicolas Cage has had to make movies to pay off his debt and and the ones that he takes the most or horror movies well those are really cheap and easy like there there's like such a quick turnaround on them and this the man's just constantly working yeah and so yeah so for color out of space um speaking of like the timeline for it so when you had brought this up um part of the reason why i actually jumped on this one over mandy was because a couple months ago i i listened to another podcast called um uh, shit, what's it called? It's, it's with Mick Garris. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with Mick Garris. Yeah. He, he, he's the original writer of Hocus Pocus. He's directed gems such as Fuzz Bucket and okay. Critters 2. Oh, so he um, had Richard Stanley on because of... Um, he did. Uh, uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. Well, he, he had him on because it was right before this movie was supposed to come out in theaters. He had him on to talk about this, um, but he did talk about The Island of Dr. Moreau, which is a really fascinating story, and I had no idea. Because like, uh, I'm sure you know a lot about it as well, but yes. Island of Dr. Moreau was a, a famously troubled production that took place in like 96. Well, the movie came out in 96, so it was probably like between 95. 95. Yeah, so like um, they, there was like one of Marlowe, uh, Marlo, Marlon Brando, I was going to say Brando, one of Brando's like last big roles, um, right? Because he died in like 90... Yeah, so it was his second to last movie because in 96, he did Island of Dr. Moreau. In Mm -hmm. 1999, he did the score and then he never acted again. Yeah, so um, I mean that... If you ever do any reading on the the production of, of Island of Dr. Moreau, it's fascinating. And Stanley had some really interesting stories. So Richard Stanley, once again, the director of Color Out of Space, like he was fired from the production after like five days um, after working on the movie for like t- a couple of years. Like he was a part, he was very he involved worked in the production. He worked on the movie probably from 1986 until 1996. Yeah, so, yeah, it, yeah, it was a long time. Um and in that time, you know, like his, uh, it was actually Brando that got him the the job because they were originally supposed to go with Polanski. Yeah. Like Roman, Roman Polanski was the original person that the, the studio wanted. And he managed to get convinced Brando to convince the studio to hire him. Um, but so after and he Val was fired. Kilmer got him fired. Oh, was it Val Kilmer? Oh, Val that Kilmer sucks. Val got him fired. Oh, too bad. Um, so after Stanley got fired, he because of the way the writing or his contract worked and he wasn't fired for something very specific, he was able to, he got the full paycheck for that movie. So that's why he didn't, that's part of the reason why he didn't do anything from then to now, because he then just took his millions of dollars that he made and just like, lived off the land with it. Yeah, he, he was, he was st- making documentaries for the longest time. Yes, he started working with BBC because after he um, left the production, he ended up staying in some... He never left. Or, he never left the production. Oh, well, did you hear, sorry. Did you yeah, hear yes, what he did? 
Oh yeah, he 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 went to the makeup guys and he had them put him in monster costumes and he was in the movie and it wasn't until the rap party that he like came out to the directors and being like, "Surprise, I was here the whole time." That type of thing. Uh, Richard is Stanley fun. is fucking crazy. He like, is. He's nuts. Because he he did uh, Hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen Hardware? I have not. So uh, it's supposed to be pretty intense, though, right? It's pretty intense. There was that, and then he did one other one, um, uh, the Dust Devil. So Dust Devil, from what I understand, from what he was talking about in in the interview I was listening to, Dust Devil was um, famously it was like it was a Weinstein movie, and the Weinstein's like hacked it to crap, and there was like Ooh, the who, yeah who, whoever was was financing the movie. They, the the company went under while he was in the middle of making it, and so they literally could not like whoever was doing it had the negatives at like their production company or whatever, and so they could not access the negatives, and so the Weinstein's re, uh, took a, took all editorial control from him, made a cut, released it theatrically. He eventually came back later, um, finished a, a version of the movie, and has since released it. Um, so there's two versions of Dust Devil out there, and if you want to make sure it's the director's cut, if you're going to watch it. I have no idea what the movie's about, but just, just a little PSA for everyone out there. Um, the other thing that Richard Stanley is doing is he, he has a deal with Netflix to actually do a miniseries of Island of Dr. Moreau the way he wanted it. Oh, that's interesting. And... The rumor is right now that Cage is going to play Dr. Moreau. That would make sense, um, seeing as how they worked together uh, in Colorado Space here. And um, he loved working with Cage. He, do you know who Cage based his performance on? I'm going to say Donald. I'm going to guess Donald Trump because he sounded exactly like Trump in this movie. I totally thought that too, but he based it off of. Um, it was the craziest thing. I got to look this up. It, uh, oh, he based it after Jack Nicholson in Five Easy Pieces. I've never seen Five Easy Pieces. It, I know Nicholson. Yeah, and I'm like, no, he's doing Trump. Like he sounds exactly like Trump, and it was weird because like you could tell that. So, um, color out of space. Oh yeah, we a- have a rule now. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, do we? Yeah, it's the blockbuster rule, uh, aka the John Curlin rule. So you're in a blockbuster video in a paragraph or less. Tell me what the back of the box says to get you to rent this. You get to make it up. Oh, cool. That sounds like fun. So. Um, Back of the box. Uh, Nicholas Cage stars in Color Out of Space. Uh, that's the, the top part going down. So um, hmm, what's the name of his character? It's uh, Nathan Gardner. Nathan Gardner. Uh, Nathan Gardner has just relocated with his family to the outskirts of Arkham, Massachusetts. Is that where yes. Arkham is technically? Uh, to the outskirts of Arkham, Massachusetts. Um after recovering from, or after his wife is recovering from a bout with cancer, um, one night a uh, strange uh, meteorite crashes in their yard and uh, brings with it. What does it bring with it? And brings with it cosmic terror beyond uh, man's imagination. Um, Gardner and his his children, Lavinia, Benny, and Jack, uh, must band together to uh, combat this. Uh, color you got it. You out got of it. space. Sure. Long story short, a meteorite land. H.P. Lovecraft, existential horror. A meteorite lands in these people's yard and starts to basically infect everything around it. That that's yeah. 
that's, that's mean, more or less it. And oh, there's a there's a pot smoking Tommy Chong. Well, sorry, there's just a Tommy Chong. The yeah, pot smoking is don't say there's a pot smoking Tommy Chong. It's just Tommy Chong. <laughs> Tommy Chong is there as well, um, doing Tommy Chong stuff. Tommy Chong had some of. He was only in three scenes, uh, but he was really effective in this movie. I really liked him. His character in this is exactly like his character in Zootopia. <laughs> his character is he just plays Tommy Chong. Like he's been playing Tommy as. As long as I've seen him in stuff, which goes back to that 70s show, he just plays Tommy Chong, hey, which is awesome. <laughs> hey, man, it's Leo, man. Yeah, I'm um, Leo. I'm also, the, photo hut. The, the very unsubtle thing is there is a character in this movie. The only character who's, who, who survives, spoiler alert, everyone, mm. is a character named Ward Phillips. His name is Howard Phillips, which is actually oh, Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Lovecraft. H.P. Love. Gotcha. I didn't pick that out. So Ward, Ward is supposed to be H.P. Lovecraft. Cool. There, there's no way. Um, do you think he's going to come back? Because this is supposed to be the first, first movie in a, trilogy. In, in a trilogy, which is exciting. So for those who, I mean, everybody knows what Lovecraft is. But for those who don't know, uh, one of the main central themes or um, things that uh, Lovecraft writes about a lot are these things called the uh, the Eldritch Horrors or the Old Gods, the Old Ones, the Elder Gods. There's, Cthulhu. A, there's a bunch. Of, C- Cthulhu is the very popular yeah. one. That's the one that everybody knows. There's a bunch of others. That's the um, one that Sabrina, the teenage witch, ends up marrying in the comic books. I did not know that. Is this the new the new books? Yeah, the one that the new TV series is based on, and I think they hinted at Cthulhu is going to be the big bad in the final season. That's awesome. Um, That's so, really cool. I mean, yeah. So H.P. Lovecraft shows up and basically like tricks Sabrina in a game of wits to marry Cthulhu. And she wakes up and she's like, oh, what's going on? And she's, he's like, it's your wedding day to Cthulhu. And she's like, damn it, H.P. Lovecraft. What did you do? I, I hope it's that played that comically and it's just like to Cthulhu and like it's just like the a whip pan over to Cthulhu sitting there holding like a tiny little like um bouquet for her with a little hey, top hat on. I got you this. Yeah. But then as soon as he talks, everybody goes insane because they've stared into the ether. Uh so in in this, the other performance that he based his performance on, this is gonna get like so inceptiony with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> He based his own performance in this after his own performance in Vampire's Kiss because Richard Stanley's like, I love that movie. Can you do that, please? I've heard of uh, directors asking actors to do things like that, where it's like, hey, I'm a big fan of you in this one thing. Could you could you just replicate it? And as an actor, I don't know if that would be insulting or um, there are some actors who embrace it. Uh, Yeah, I can imagine Meg Ryan. Oh, really? Meg Ryan, like. She's like, you want Sally Albright from When Harry Met Sally, and they're like, yes, please. Which, which, which is fair, but I, I don't know much about Meg Ryan. Um, but I am willing to bet that the types of characters that she plays are still like humans with human emotions. I don't know the last time that Nick Cage played a human um, because he is just—he's so, always at eleven in I, any of his things. So I would say, you know what I mean. Kick-Ass might be the last time. And even then, he had some moments, which I, I love Kick-Ass. to Kryptonite. Go to Robin's Revenge. Yes. 
But that's um, because he's on fire. That's like the excuse. Yeah, which is a good excuse. That I think if I'm on fire, I'm going to be screaming like that yeah. as well. Also, Cage in this starts out as his character from from uh, Kick-Ass. Like, he, he's like, oh, oh child. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he has two distinct modes in this movie, which is, um, so it's going to be, I don't remember the character's name from Kick-Ass, but it'll be Kick-Ass and Donald Trump. Big yes. Dad. Well, I, I know the name. I'm sorry. McCready, I think, is the McCready. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Big Daddy or uh, or Donald Trump. Because so H.P. Lovecraft. Spoiler alert. Once again, um, people don't really live through Lovecraft stories. You either live or you either die or you go insane. And Cage slowly loses his grip on reality throughout this. And uh, he, I think that's when he goes into his Donald Trump persona is when he's more insane. Because yeah. there's a sequence where he's dragging his daughter um, up the stairs. And when he's pulling her, he sounds just like Trump. And then like he breaks a little bit when she like... She, starts she's crying. Like, and she's like, you're hurting me. Stop it, please. And then oh, like, he child, immediately... Oh, I'm so sorry. Like... Yeah, that's exactly it. Now let's go, um, let's go kill some mobsters. Like, yeah. I know what you mean. Because he's like... You're a terrible daughter. You're awful. And like he's like saying these things. Yeah. You're spoiled little brat. Like when he starts doing that voice out of nowhere, I was like. He, he had done it once before, but you're right. It's just like, watch your fucking mouth. I can't believe you'd say that. It's just bad Trump. But but not just that. It it's not that it's like Trumpy. It's supposed to be his character from Vampire's Kiss. Cause that guy is a yuppie and that's what he talk that's how he talks in that movie. Like, like oh. Nicolas Cage in, like, the 80s had two voices. Nicolas Cage and then the other one was, like, kind of talk like this. Like, he talks that mm-hmm. way in When Peggy Sue Got Married. He talks that way in Vampire's Kiss. I mean, but in Vampire's Kiss, he's got that whole thing where he's yelling at his secretary and going through the alphabet doing, like, this very yuppie, Trumpy voice where he's like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V. Can you get that through your fucking head? Like, Now, I don't know much about Trump's dialect, but is that considered yuppie? Like, is that what that affect is? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. It's like that in-between of, like, going to a prestigious college and also the 80s. (laughs) <laughs> and also cocaine. Yeah, like like what cocaine does to your esophagus. <laughs> it just makes it really long. Yeah, I got you. You like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, there's alpacas in this movie. The alpaca scenes are so upsetting. Like when they really were. Like that that's the Richard Stanleyism. I think the the one scene that was most upsetting, not just when they mutate together, which they don't really explain why they mutate. Like they're like, oh yeah, the water's just fucked up. Like there's little aliens in the water that like decide to be dicks and melt everyone together. <laughs> well, so um, I think it was the color that did it. So we we talked earlier a little bit about the Eldritch gods, and so I, I will openly admit, while I I like Lovecraft um, in theory, I've never really been able to actually read his stuff. It's it was written in the twenties. It's very dull. It's not. It's, it's yes, dense. dull. It's very it, dense. It's very dense. It's not like written modernly. It's not written efficiently. It's um, one of the things in the, in the interview that Richard Stanley said is um, uh, Lovecraft will, will, will kill the kids in a sentence, but he'll spend three paragraphs talking about the trees. And so like that's like he, he's very descriptive about like the setting and he's all about getting a mood down and he's all about getting like a location. But the actual like action is is like 
really quick and it's hard to parse out. When um, when Jack and the mom melted together, I mm-hmm. literally almost threw up in my mouth. That part was I didn't realize that they had melted together until they got them uh, until they like move moved towards them. And yes, that part was gross. It was once they like became the full monster. That was the that was easily the scariest part of the movie for me. It was like whoa, holy shit! Well, that and when she cut her fingers off, um, that'll <laughs> I do called it. that Chekhov's fingers. Like, well, it's it's like arguably I, I was. It's 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 such a cliched scene where somebody is chopping carrots, chopping carrots, chopping carrots, and like you know they keep I've seen it away. Exactly. I've seen it like not a thousand times, but I've seen, you've seen that a bunch where they end up cutting their fingers either off or just cutting themselves. And I was like, okay, so this is like a, a bait and switch or, you know, but nope, she fucking cut her fingers off. Holy shit. That was gross. Yeah, both in this and in Mandy, because originally we were going to do Mandy, so I watched Mandy first. And Sorry. It's okay. Um, but in Mandy, like, he crushes a guy's head to the point where the eyes pop out, like like the head oozes guts, like it's like, remember in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when they take the ball and they bash it and all of the jam comes out? Yes, I it's kind of like that. Okay, I um for people at home, I do not believe that your guts are stored in your head, but I understand brains. What you're saying, I meant brains. <laughs> I'm just teasing. yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah, the brains come out exactly like the preserves in Willy Wonka. And that's what like they did here with the fingers. Like when she cuts her fingers, it's not so much bone is shown. It's like, like goopy blood. It's like, it's like, yeah, just like red meat on the inside. Yeah. It looks like 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 all the way through. And, and I also love how, as soon as you drink the water in this movie, Oh, you're fucking crazy. You're, you're crazy. Like there's no help for you. Exactly. Well, that's that, that. I think is the Lovecraft part. So, what the the color actually is, like I was saying earlier, um, like I, I like Lovecraft in theory, but I've never actually. Um, I know like broad strokes. So I, I know about the Elder Gods. I know about Cthulhu. I know about all. I know about Arkham and um, the Mesotonic Madness in the Mouth of Madness. Uh, and they the, show the, them like, in here. Yeah, and and they they they've seated Mesopotonic, I think it's called, or Mesotonic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the the shirt that that guy is wearing, uh, which is the university in where Providence, a lot of Rhode like Island. exactly. So it's just fucking cool um, that the, the the world building in this movie for Lovecraft was so well done. But um, so uh, the color, the the actual like mist stuff that comes out of it, that's an elder god. Um, so that's kind of cool, like that we've already encountered a god in it, one of these movies. It just reminds me of that Patton Oswalt bit that he does where he's talking about seeing a rat and and his wife yeah, or his wife saw a rat and he's like no you didn't see a rat and then like a trickster god's like did someone say there's no rats? <laughs> like that that's what this feels like. It's like Nicolas Cage is like, "Oh, my farm's failing." And this elder god's like, "Oh, you want your farm to fail, eh? Well, if jokes and japes were cards and drapes, I play." <laughs> like <sighs> yeah, that was and I I 100% agree with what you're saying there. And like, yeah, that was cool. Like I loved the idea of like it's the uh, like the tomatoes or whatever were like beautiful looking, but they like tasted, tasted like ass so or gross. whatever. Yeah, that was so good. Which like then the theme of this movie because at one point they're like you need to eat wholesome food. You can't always be eating McDonald's, and then mm. like it feels like the message of this movie is if she ate McDonald's she would have been fine. 
Yeah, I was getting major um, cabin fever vibes from this, where it's a very similar thing where, like, as soon as somebody drinks that water, they are infected with the disease and they are basically, like, have signed away their life. Yeah, the only um, one who doesn't act that way is Benny. Yeah. Uh, are we talking, sorry, is that Oldest cabin son. fever? Oldest son, yeah. Yeah, he... He doesn't go super crazy, but he, yeah, he's the most grounded, but he does talk. Well, at least not that we see because we, he does like go out into the woods at one point and he comes back and talks about how he lost time, which I thought that sequence was really effective. So there's a part where the, the daughter is um, washing the dishes. She's washing the blood off of the knife that her mom cut her fingers off with. And like, so she's been drinking the water, but she uh, loses track of time and she's been standing there and like all of a sudden it's nighttime. And I like, I don't know if you've ever like been driving somewhere and like all of a sudden you're home or if you've been like reading something or watching something and all of a sudden like it's it's like you've lost that time right, yeah. or working out in the yard or something like that. Like that was such a, a effective way to show like losing something like that. I really liked that sequence. Let's talk about Vinny or Lavinia or whatever they call her. Livy. She was awesome. I thought she was great. Well, she opens the movie. She's dressed all Stevie Nicks like. And she's in the woods doing witchcraft and she's riding on a white horse. Yeah. She's like, Rihanna, don't you want to love her? But like, (laughs) she's like, she's a bitch, but she's also a good person because she's in the woods. She didn't tell her family that she ran away to do the ceremony to make sure that the cancer doesn't come back. And then then Nicholas Cage is, oh, honey, why, why did you run away? Why didn't you put the bunny back in the box? And like, he's like, he's kind of being a dick, but he's not. Cause at the same time he's like, oh, well don't let your mother know that you weren't wearing a helmet. And then the mother's like, you weren't wearing a helmet. It, it felt re- uh, very real. Like um, all the characters felt like an actual family. Like I've had those conversations where it's like, well, just don't tell your mother. Or I, I've like had that time where I'm like, I've either done something I'm not supposed to, or like uh, you've gotten a pass from it. And like her concern for her family is immediately endearing. But at the same time, she's still, I, I, I was hard to peg like ages on the kids. She's the middle child, but she has a lot of freedom. Yeah. She's somewhere um, between 16 and 35. <laughs> You're not even kidding, because there are some sequences where I'm like, "Is this a like a middle-aged woman?" She and I mean that might not be a, a nice thing to say, but no, but she she she, she she's the like actress haggard who, and run down. The actress who plays her is like in her twenties. Oh, okay, so that that makes sense. Yeah, then. but but like also the the oldest son. There are moments where it's like, is he younger than her? Is he older than her? Is he John Ritter? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Like at one point he walks in like after I think when he's like, Oh, I just went on the walk in the woods. And I was like, he looks like John Ritter. I could see that a young John Ritter, yeah. like pre pre bride of Chucky John, John Ritter. Yeah. Pre I mean, getting ni- uh, nails stuck in his face. Yeah. Pre eight simple problem rules. child. Yeah. Problem, problem child. child. John Ritter. <laughs> the best John Ritter. <laughs> Three's a uh, crowd. John Ritter. There we go. Don <laughs> hanging out with Don Knotts, John. Ritter. Yeah, but that was that one, right? Or is that? Yeah. Well, that's Three's Company. Three's a Crowd was just basically yes. the same show. Oh, yeah. Okay. So a sequel. So yeah, with with the daughter and Ward, they they kind of gloss over for no reason. Ward is automatically in love with her. 
Yeah, that was a little expedient, I would say. <laughs> like, oh, here's another person. Because if we're going based on, like, what what my implied ages are. He's she's 28 six- and she's 16. <laughs> exactly. And that's a little, like, holy shit, dude, pump the brakes. And I never got, like... I could understand like her having a crush on him, but it definitely felt it like those feelings not have were been reciprocated. reciprocated. Absolutely not. It was a little bit weird. And what I'm not, like I said, I've, I've never actually read the original story. I think it's mostly told through like clippings. Yeah. Or, the like, original interviews. story, it's three boys. Yeah, that too. So there's no way that the, cause I think there is a person who's down from, who's up from Boston to survey this place, which is a clever, um, play on words are not a, a clever nod they make in this movie because at one point nick cage is like talking to ward and he's like you're from boston right and he's like providence actually because the character in the original story was from boston so and, that's and hp nice. lovecraft is from providence so so there you go yeah that'll do it but if we're talking about nicholas cage's performance in this like if we go back to the beginning of the month in moonstruck that's his like i'm trying to get an oscar and then face off just fantastic. Con Air, <laughs> Chef's Kiss. Mwah. Here, he doesn't look old, but he doesn't look not old. <laughs> like He looked too old. Once again, this I don't know if this is the right thing to be saying. He looked too old to have a family that young. Um, personally, it was yeah. like he should have been like the grandpa. Like it, it just it's one of those weird things. I know this is like a common trope in Hollywood in general where you have um a older male with a, a middle-aged or younger female. Like what's the age difference between him and Jolie Richardson? I'm going to look. That I up think right it's now. about 15 years. 55. No, it is one year. Holy shit. What? He's 50. He's 56 and she's 55. I guess I take it back. He looks so much older than 55. Can we talk about that? Okay. So he- I think, I think it is, and this is going to sound crazy, but when he has a beard, he looks a lot younger. Like, Oh, like in Mandy? Not or? just Mandy, but the next movie that he's doing that I really want to see, Wally's Wonderland, where he, mm-hmm. if you saw pictures from it, he he looks pretty young. He looks like 90s Cage. Oh, cool. Yeah, he looked a lot older in this movie. I, I Seeing that he's 56, if that's the age he was playing, dude looked like he was like 65. Because I've been watching a lot of Community, and I was getting some major Chevy Chase vibes from him. Like, And Chevy Chase was like 65 when he did Community, yeah. so... That was, yeah. Well, part of the reason why I picked Nicolas Cage was because of the community episode where they take a Nicolas Cage class. I haven't gotten to that one yet. I I stopped watching community right around like middle of, no, the episode where Troy leaves was the last episode I ever watched. Was it before that? Yeah, it's before that. Then I don't remember. It's like two episodes before that. Oh, well, shit. (laughs) Because they they take the acting class with Kevin... um, the, the teacher who was also the dad, the uncle on uh, Grounded for Life. Grounded for Life, yeah. yeah. Eddie. But, uncle Eddie. But he, yeah, he's like, now, who is, what is, and where is Nicolas Cage? What I want you to do for homework is watch five Nicolas Cage movies. And Abed's like, I can watch them all. And <laughs> he's like, don't do that. And then he did. And he comes back 24. I do remember this. And he goes crazy. And he's acting, he's doing the Cage stuff. Yeah, I'm a I cat. I'm a cat. Yes, I do remember this. The the one movie that I'm very surprised that no one picked for this month was Gone in 60 Seconds. 
Mm. Well, I was trying to be, because you had already had a couple of eras of Cage, I wanted to be different, and yeah. I wanted to give you a, a wide swath of things to, to talk about. Granted, we haven't really talked about him that much, but still. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in this, like, he's in every, he's in, I would say, 75 to 80% of the movie, mm-hmm. but you don't notice him. I noticed this when I was watching Mandy also. In Mandy, like, He's in a good chunk of the movie, but you don't, he doesn't really have an impact. I don't disagree with you. It's, uh, it's really interesting because as I was watching it, like at no point, and I don't know if this is like the, the correct view of the movie, but at no point did he ever feel like the, uh, the antagonist or the protagonist. Um, well, he kind of feels like an antagonist at one point, but he's not like the protagonist. The protagonist always feels like Lavinia. She feels like the, the our point of view character and our central character, and he's almost just like window dressing, really, um, which is a weird thing for your. That's how you use your Nicolas Cage. I think I have like, the perfect example of what he's like in this movie. He's like on Rick and Morty when they're flying in the space car and they don't realize Jerry's there, and then yeah. Jerry speaks, and they're like, "Holy shit, were you here the whole time?" <laughs> It's like, yeah, 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 yes, that's exactly it. Because, like, he's there and he's along for the ride. And he does do some impactful stuff, at least towards the end. But the beginning, meh, Yeah, like, just, he has just... one evil thing towards the end and one really good thing towards the end. The evil thing is he puts Lavinia into the demon dungeon. With... Yeah, which is so, his his wife, and this movie had fucking balls that they can i swear sorry it's been yeah. a thousand years okay this, movie, this, <laughs> this movie's got balls uh, fucking balls because it it kills the kid it it, it fuses the kid well, with the Dwight, wife that's an ongoing theme with nicholas cage movies like face Is off it? i guess i face off john travolta's son dies five minutes in like yeah he gets murdered by cage right yeah like cage thing, kills or, a kid like Okay, but that's like the inciting incident, and that's like character motivation. That's like a, so they fridge the kid basically. So it's like a, a a terrible way to do character motivation, but it's character motivation. This is like, it's like the the big turning point of the movie when like the kid, well, he gets fused to his mom, which in and of itself is this weird, you know, huh? metaphor. I'm sure. Huh? Yeah, it was oh. gross. It was absolutely gross. And then when he fucking shotguns them both in the head, like that part was. I really thought he was going to do it the first time. And when he walked away, I was like, oh, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. And then when he realized he did a bad thing, he then mm. kills his wife and kid. But yes. Also. To save his daughter. But that's not that's not the heroic thing he does. I mean, it's one of them. You're talking about the alpacas, right? No, or, I'm talking after that when he's about to destroy the well and the sheriff shoots him. Oh, he, yeah. Well, he like, tries to. He's like. He's going to destroy the car. So he destroys the well. Mm-hmm. But but then he gets horribly murdered by the town sheriff. Yes. Which and then the town sheriff just like is immediately like, all right, let's move on. Like he like doesn't feel any remorse for for murdering this man. I'm sorry. Like this man was in thing. Captain Corelli's mandolin. He had to go. <laughs> He's a real wind talker. Just- Moving along here. Uh, but then that that leads into one of my favorite sequences where uh, they find Tommy Chong's corpse and there's that, the the tape player is yeah, playing and it's just so creepy and distorting and moving. It's so good. That was like my favorite. That would have been hysterical. <laughs> Same old thing. That we did last week. 
we're all all right. <laughs> I also um, love how he knows that he's going to die from like the moment he's like, oh, the pres- the purveyor guys here. Oh, looks like I'm done for. Yep, that's it. There's people below the there's people below the floors. Peace. I'm out. Um, also, what when, did you go ahead? We don't know if the dog dies. The dog runs away, but. Okay, so that's actually a question I had for you. I, I assume it did. Um, or so when Ward goes to the um, the mayor's office or, or whoever they are, uh, I think it's the mayor's office that he's trying to talk to, and he sees it's right before he brings the sheriff back to the farmhouse, and he uh, the sheriff shows him like this like pile of animal corpses. Did was the dog in there? Because he looks at something and what he sees something he recognizes. Was that the, was that the cat's collar? It was the cat's or? collar. Oh, okay, Cause that's because they showed him playing with it early on. Yeah, because the dog wouldn't I, go near him, but the cat would. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And also, the cat. a dog wouldn't have a have a bell around him. So I don't know, no dogs, man. But yeah, you're right. I, I didn't rec- I didn't see what it was. Like I could not figure out what we I was looking at. We don't put bells on our dogs. It. McCoy has a bow tie. <laughs> That's fancy, and yeah, sure, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, he's a dapper little man. Um, but, like, I think I think that dog is hiding in the woods. It would have been great if if the dog just showed up at the end when he's standing on top of the dam, and then this is, like, a prequel yeah, to that been cool. I Am Legend because that dog was also named Sam. There you go. That sounds good. Yeah, that's a, a, a shocking... Um, loose end because i feel like everything else was had proper setup and payoff to the point where they even set up like the basement that he goes into because um so i watched this with with my wife tiffany for a little bit she couldn't she she made it like 20 minutes and then she was like i'm done um but when we were watching the beginning there's a point where like it was so clear that they were just like setting everything up. They were doing relationships, locations, because they go to the alpaca barn. And there's one point where Nicolas Cage is like, I'm going to go get some wine. And he goes into the basement. And like that doesn't come back until like five minutes before the end of the movie. But it's nice that they set it up. I yeah. enjoyed that. Chekhov's wine bottle. We got Chekhov's we fingers, go. Chekhov's wine bottle. I think, I think. Chekhov's alpacas. They didn't need to put in that love story between Ward and Lavinia. Because what they could have done, if he wanted a trilogy and he really wanted to sell the trilogy, Ward should have been played by Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that would have been, like, if he was the surveyor or he was, like, the central through character, I could see that. But at the same time, um, I'm not sure very much about, like, budget budgetary stuff. So when I was listening to the interview with Richard Stanley, he's mentioned that this movie had a $6 million budget. and Five million um, went to Nicolas Cage. Well, he yeah, three of that was above the line. So I'm pretty sure most of that went to prob- probably went to Cage. So you're, we're only seeing three million on screen. So Ugh. now I definitely which, want to which, see Wally's Wonderland. <laughs> which kind of showed there was um, most of the stuff in this movie was practical, which I have a giant boner for. Like that makes me so happy. The monster. There was one. The monster for the the mother and the son fused together at the end was very um john carpenter yeah it was super the thing same thing with the alpacas like i got major thing vibes from those which is fine the only thing that stuck out to me that i was like oh that's not great was like there's a point where the cats run like the cat has been skinned alive or something like that and it's like running through the on the on the road that was like eh, that didn't land 
Everything else was fantastic. Even the like psychedelic trippy stuff at the very end when like they look into the well and we see like the deadlights basically is what it is. Like we're seeing beyond the infinite. And that's the issue that I think people have with adapting Lovecraft in general is because a lot of Lovecraft stuff tends to be like, and then I looked into the beyond and I saw colors that were indescribable and horrors beyond my imagination. And now we have to show that on film. Uh, like Spoiler alert, it's magenta and the alpacas are inside out. Yeah, yes. And there's a little bit of blue in there, but it's mostly, yeah, pink, pinky magenta. He it's said nice. he picked magenta because magenta is the one color that is hard for the eye to differentiate between pink and magenta. Okay. Well, that makes sense, I guess. And then he said, I, I, Val Kilmer got me fired from a movie. <laughs> I, was a, I was a dog man on it. Um, I, I do like that they at least had the characters... Um, like Cage at one point, they ask him what color it was, and he goes, I, I think he says it's a pink. I don't know what color it was. So at least, like, it's almost like the characters can't interpret it, at least, which is a fine way around it, I guess. Also, I, I had my Stewie Griffin moment because the movie ends with, with Ward saying, the color out of space. I'm like, oh, he said the name of the movie. <laughs> Roll credits. I don't like Cinema Sense, but that's the one thing that I remember from it. I Okay, so... With Cage in this one, we've talked about the Trumpiness, but his fatherliness is kind of sad. Like, like Cage in his acting style can really break your heart at times. Hmm. I, I don't disagree. Like, there's points when you really feel that, like, he is struggling for his sanity and to the point where all he cares about is protecting his family. And so he has like the fatherly instincts and he has the um, like marital instincts. Like he's like so clearly in love with his wife and so clearly like wants to protect her and keep her safe, especially after uh, they talk about how she just had a double mastectomy and like, he's still like, you know, doing everything he can to make her feel comfortable and happy. And so, for what happens in the movie, like it, it's an extra level of like heartbreaking and tragedy. He also gives too much information because like when the, the sheriff and the mayor there is like, we were being intimate for the first time in some time since the mastectomy. And it's like, yeah, they don't need to know that. That was definitely one of the moments when I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? dude? Like, why, why would you say that? Like, I just took don't a need blue to chew and she, uh, <laughs> It was, it was, it hadn't been four hours yet. We're good. I really needed this in that damn meteor. I also love when he's going crazy. Um, like before he goes like full Nicolas Cage. Full Trump. Yeah. I, I want to try not to say that. Um, but when, when he, when he's watching the news and he's like, I never said it was a UFO. Like, like he's like, damn it. I didn't say it was a UFO. I, I really empathize with him in that scene because it was it was like the text of what he's saying. He is he was he you're right. He never said it was a UFO. And he's like, they're twisting my words. They're making me look like an idiot. However, he was like, they were like, did you have anything to drink? Well, yeah, you know, I've I, I tend to like some scotch and some some wine. And yeah, I, I was sober when I saw it, though. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's reassuring. What they needed to do then is just cut the clip from uh, Naked Gun. Where everyone slaps their foreheads like. 
Uh, speak, uh, dude, did you know that? Um, poli- sorry to totally derail. Police Files uh, was released on Blu-ray, or Police, Police Squad was was released on Blu-ray, and it's like fourteen bucks right now. Oh, really? If you want to pick it up on Amazon? I literally bought it last night. Oh, nice. It's coming tomorrow. I'm it's so only excited. six episodes long. So yeah, but still, who cares? I'm wicked excited. Moving on. <laughs> I remember they were trying to remake Naked Gun, and and they casted Ed Helms, and I was like. Are you kidding me? The perfect person to do this is Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, he would be. Yeah, he would be great as the Leslie Nielsen role. As Frank, I assume Revin? that's where it would be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, Nicholas. They could get OJ back. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Nicholas Cage is gonna play Joe Exotic. Like we haven't talked about that on the podcast yet, but Nicholas Cage is playing oh, the Tiger man. King. Man, I like. I I watched Tiger King, and after the first episode, I felt like I knew everything that I needed to see. Um, I watched it all. He, Carol Baskin. Oh, I did watch husband. it all. I, I definitely watched it all. I I think I agree with that. Um, I don't. <laughs> the only no, way to really know. get rid of the body is if you cover it in sardine oil. Huh? What an odd thing to say, unprovoked and unasked. <laughs> Clearly, it's just interesting that. Um, I don't know. It felt like a flash in the pan, and I don't know if it's still relevant. So the fact that he's going to be in a movie about it TV is series. interesting. Oh, t- TV series? Mini-series. Diff- okay, that's even worse, better? I don't I know. I don't know. CBS All Access is getting it. Use the promo CBS code WB. So. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if only I'm I... Surprised. I'm surprised you haven't gotten a sponsor yet. I feel like yeah, you would have worked too. hard for that. Yeah, I, I really want those Adam and Eve dollars. Hey, man, you get a free promo code. They send you, like, extra shit. Yeah. Apparently. Those dildo dollars. Yeah. Is that what they call it in the business? No, that, that's uh, uh, Heather from Make It Stop when she was on for Con Air. She did a promo. Oh, does she? For, for her? Yeah. For Adam and yeah, Eve or whatever? Podca- does she her, have them? Her podcast does promos for Adam and oh, Eve. Oh, cool. And I was like, did you just do a promo on my podcast? But, yeah, she calls it dildo dollars. Hey, that's safe. You get what you get, man. No, no money is dirty money in the the dildo world. Honestly, the sponsors that I've been trying to get are like Philadelphia cream cheese and Burgers bagels. I'm like, I, do they do podcasts? If Ben, or are you J- trying to trying to be the first one? I don't. Well, I mean, Philadelphia does Hulu ads. I mean, but if Ben and Jerry's can do podcasts, I don't see why Philadelphia can't. I, I don't disagree with you. I've never seen those ads, but that just tells me like what my algorithm is, is set to, apparently. And now that we, I've mentioned it in the vicinity of my phone, I guarantee you I'm going to start seeing them. <laughs> Dwight, did you say that you wanted Philadelphia cream cheese? Uh, no, uh, Siri, uh, shut up. No, calm down. Ugh. <laughs> did you say order more Philadelphia? God damn it. Scott, stop giving it ideas. Uh, we were, we were watching something and, uh, on YouTube, they, they yelled, Hey Alexa. And our Alexa turned on. Fucking A. They, they do that with Siri too. And stuff like that. Like I don't have a, my Tiffany has an iPhone. I've got, um, Hey Google is mine, but like, yeah, when things on TV do that, fuck you. That's super obnoxious. And like, they always ask a question after it. It's like, Hey, Hey, Hey Siri, uh, find more NFL stats or something like that. And it's like, Jesus Christ, that's so obnoxious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to break that right now. 
Hey, Alexa, can you play a Nicolas Cage movie? Did you say you wanted to see Nicolas Cage? There we go. That's not too bad. Yeah, everyone. Everyone was listening on speakers. So so going through this, we're in the IRS years of Nicolas Cage's career. Mm-hmm. I told you that I counted from 2009 to now, 11 years, how many movies he had made at that point and how many movies yes. he's made thus far. Before 2009, Nicolas Cage had only been in about 52 movies. Since then... Only. Listen to what you're saying there. Only 52 movies? That's more than, like, the majority of film people's careers. Kind of. That's still high. It it is, but, like, there are, like, legends that have been in a ton of movies. If you look at Brando and if you look at, like, Nicholson. Nicholas Cage now... that's fair. But in 11 years... My my point is from 2009 back to 1981 in that time period of like 30ish years he had done 50 movies in 11 years yes. from 2009 to 2020 he had done 55 movies so uh, man man up this production just by uh, a smidge that that's you know <laughs> you got to make that IRS money <laughs> Demo IRS dollars. Which is crazy because like, you know, if if you're saying that he, he owed 60, I guess it was the taxes on something where he spent $60 million. I would have imagined that something like, cause he did like the, the ghost rider movies in that time. He did. Sorcerer's um, Apprentice. Like he, he had Disney dollars. Yeah. He had Disney dollars. He had starring role dollars. Like he's done like, you know, the, the Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse. Like, granted, it's just a voice role, but still he's like arguably one of the bigger names in that. Like I would have imagined that he could uh, demand the money for it, but maybe they knew he was in a tight spot. So he was uh, exactly was pretty screwed. Also, it's what- like, uh, like Wesley Snipes. Or- oh, yeah. Wesley Snipes oh, tax evasion. Was- <laughs> yeah. But also in this. I thought that the water itself became like a solid viscous thing because when he's in the shower and he picks that thing up, I thought that that was supposed to be water. What was that thing he picked up in the shower? I assumed that it, because it had like tentacles. I just assumed it was like another like creature that had come out of the, out of the color. Um, It's possible. I don't know. It makes things mutate. So it might be like the bacteria that lives in the water that has, has formed and congealed. Oh. I don't know. That was just a weird, almost out of place scene that was kind of creepy. It, it might have also just been like the the sign that they were starting to go crazy. I think I figured out who Nicolas Cage is now. Like, like I feel like he's our generation's Vincent Price. Really? Okay. Uh, can you elaborate on that? No. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, that's it. Uh, moving on. I have that's spoken. That's the end of the podcast. And- <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> no, uh, what if I were to tell you that Nicola- uh, Vincent Price originally started out to be a Shakespearean actor and do more prestigious films, but then he just kept mm-hmm. getting casted in these Victorian-style Edgar Allan Poe horror movies. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, I know that. I know he did a bunch of stuff with, like, Corman and um, all that type Tim of stuff. Burton, he was, like, like doing... Yeah, that was his last one, right? Well, was, but was he also did the shorts or? for Tim Bur- Burton too. He did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did, he did, he did the voiceover for Frank and Weenie, if I'm not and mistaken. Vincent. Yes. So yeah, yeah, he he was a workhorse as well. But um, yeah, I get what you're saying. But also, he's that type of guy who's like very over the top, and he's very like, no, don't, and like, 
Evil like I said, he, he never had like the the freaky out uh, the freak out stuff, but um, yeah, I, I I can see what you're saying. Where it's like not that he was in explicitly schlock because he was in some pretty good stuff, but I guarantee you the majority of the stuff he made is either forgettable or just schlocky. Also, when when Vincent Price shows up like Nicolas Cage, you're kind of happy. It's like oh my god, it's it's Vincent Price. Oh my god, it's Nicolas Cage. Very true. Very true. Um, and like, but with Price, I never got the feeling that it was like we were in store for something crazy. It was always we were in store because he always elevated whatever he was in. He was just really good, and I think it's partially his voice. Um, whereas Cage, it's like, ooh, what's he gonna do? What's what is he gonna? Uh, I don't know. Freak out here or or, or <laughs> he kill gonna, someone here? Is or? he gonna punch a child in the face? This is a Disney movie. Yeah, so he still can. He's gonna go steal the Declaration of Independence, man. We still do whatever he wants. That okay? So that at the beginning of quarantine, that is what started me to do Nicolas Cage all this month. Is I had never seen out of principle. It's not like like I just missed it. I had never seen any of the National Treasure movies because to me it just looked like a second rate Indiana Jones. Is there more than two? Yeah. I don't know. I thought there was only two. There's two, but there's going to be a third one that's going to be a Disney Plus miniseries. Is Cage coming back? For oh, it? yeah. Well, he's got to make he that He has to. <laughs> he has no choice. Um, but, like, I was watching the first one and Haley was filming it. And, and, like, just, I was like, oh my God, he's just so crazy and over the top. And he has one line where he's like, they take out their insides and burn them. And, like, it's just the the Nicolas okay. Cage isms, even even in Con Air, like he's very southern and very drawl and doesn't get to go crazy. But he's like, there's something about him that I just can't put my finger on. And in this movie, I think that something is that he's absolutely a hundred percent on that border of method actor and just showing up for the paycheck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he's a, if the check clears. So, Scott, I have some questions for you about Nicolas Cage in general. Um, when did he devolve into the the quote-unquote joke Cage that we currently have? Was it, like, in the 90s? It was or? definitely in the 90s. I think it started with, like, because in the early 90s, after Moonstruck came out in the 80s, he was only mm-hmm. getting, like, rom-com roles, like Trapped in Paradise and... Um, uh, honeymoon in Vegas. And then he, in 96, uh, he got leaving Las Vegas in the rock and everyone's like, Oh, he's great. And then he's like, Oh, I can be an action star. So then he went from the rock to con air to face off. And I think it was in face off. That's when he became that because he's doing like the eye bulges and the head rolls and just mugging for the camera. Was so it's been a long time since I've seen Face Off. He he becomes the bad guy because no, no, John Travolta is the good guy, or John Travolta is the bad guy. John Travolta is the good guy, and take at the it, beginning of the movie, and yeah, Nicholas Cage is the faces. bad guy. Okay, then they swap faces, and Nicholas Cage is the good guy, uh, and then and then John Travolta is being the over the top crazy one, right? Gotcha. Yeah, because I just didn't remember the order. Yeah, you have the classic line of it's like looking in a mirror. But not <laughs> like, you know, Travolta. Like you do. Oh, Travolta. But yeah, so Nicolas Cage. Man, poor Travolta. I, I I feel bad for that guy. 
He's having he's had, a, he's had a he's had a rough go of it. I know. He's had two women he loved die to breast cancer. Mm, yeah, that's fucking terrible. Uh, poor Travolta. I really Speaking feel bad cancer. now that that this month's uh, Hell is a Musical that we did was uh, for my other podcast was Grease. What's your other podcast? I didn't know you had a Yeah, it's called one. Hell is a Musical. It's on the Zero Science Network, and I show Lils Martin. Um, she hates musicals, and I show her good movie musicals and bad movie musicals. Have you convinced her of any? Sing Street. Have you, have you, have you had her come around? Okay, yeah. cool. Never seen it. It's pretty good. So, getting back to this. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. It's just, like, there are certain things that are just... I'm having trouble talking about it because it's just so upsetting. Like, this movie... The movie? Uh, color? Yeah, like, like it's a well-done horror movie, and, like, for his first movie in 20 years, Richard Stanley did a really good job. He definitely did. With that said... <laughs> He goes way too far. There are certain things that he doesn't explain. Like the whole like rash on, on Nicolas Cage's skin. Are they gills? Are they scales? Is he turning into a monster? That's a good question, actually. Yeah, they never really explain what the rash is. And I, yeah, I don't know if it's like just a side effect. Why didn't anybody else get a rash? I um, see. And that's something where I don't know if that was like a Stanley choice or if that was part of the source material, maybe. Um, I, I really couldn't tell you. And, and when when his son goes crazy, Jack goes crazy, but they try to make it cute. It's like that whole like sleepless in Seattle precocious kid like, oh, he's talking to a well. Isn't that good? No. Get him to a doctor. <laughs> It it was very sixth sense. Like I see, uh, I'm talking to the man in the well. It's just like uh, stereotypical creepy kid stuff. Also, um, I I just feel like a kinship to that kid. Uh, that kid just kid, tiny little blonde kid with glasses. I used to be really blonde when I was when I was younger. So like I just see myself in him. Um, so I, I every t- so when something terrible happened to him, I felt bad because he was also the kid in um, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, uh, he was the the young. The young drug addict, the one who's old, when he's older, he's he's a drug addict. The one who lives. Um, one of the ones, yeah. the ones who lives. He, he almost didn't live. Spoiler alert. And um, I mean, I think I related the most to Lavinia because I would always be on my white horse in the middle of the woods. <laughs> well, if, okay, if we're talking about people who we related to the most, it it absolutely would have been uh, Lavinia or Cage, because like, because um, you know, I care for my wife and I, I want to protect her and, and all that other junk. So I, I understand Cage's motivation in that. But with Lavinia, I also, I, I remember feeling like that as a teenager where it's like, you know, oh, you don't understand me and I want to do my own thing and whatnot. Um, yeah, those are the two that I definitely would have identified. And of course you had a white with. horse. Oh yeah, duh. Come on, man. And six alpacas, four alpacas? <laughs> and, alpacas. and the shawl. She looked awesome. She looked really she, cool. She looked I, like she should have been do- doing like Lord of the Rings like role playing. Absolutely. So like there was uh, the Necronomicons in this movie. That's interesting and cool because um, Lovecraft invented the Necronomicon. I was a little bit hoping that it'd be or, made of human flesh. Well, no, <laughs> we're, it's not Evil Dead, so. But yes, that would have been awesome. It was, it was it was like a mass market market paperback that she was reading, yeah. which is awesome. Um, but <laughs> Saint I was Joseph's expecting... Necronomicon. 
Um, there's one point where, cause she's clearly into like the Wiccan stuff and she does like a ritual where she like carves runes into her body, which is like, part of me is like, are you crazy when you're doing this or are you sane? And this is you trying to like actively overcome it. And it amounts to nothing outside of like the glow. Like nothing happens. No, no spell comes out of her to protect her and Benny. Nothing happens. She basically melts into the well and yeah, and she like gives up. The other thing that also didn't make sense as as we get to the end, like it doesn't make sense when um, Ward goes back into the house and Nicholas Cage is just like, I'm going to kill you. He's a ghost. He can't hurt you. Like, yeah, that was weird. I, I, part, I interpreted that because doesn't he? He touches him, right? I, I interpreted that as um, the. Uh, the color had like manifested him and was using that as like an avatar to attack Ward. Um, and it, uh, there's also some weird like they they explain a couple of times um, about uh, when you're exposed to the color or whatever, you don't experience time in a linear fashion right. anymore. And there's a point where um, after uh, Nicolas Cage has locked Lavinia up in the attic with the the creepy monster. Um, and Ward and the sheriff come in and he's like, Nicholas Cage is talking about like, my, my family's right here. I'm looking at them. And then later on after Nicholas Cage has died and the color is like completely taken over the area, um, he, uh, you, you see the couch and you see the family all sitting there. So I'm like, is he just experiencing the time out of order or was he just crazy? There's um, a lot of things open to interpretation. But I'm going to go with Lovecraft he's crazy. And that's going insane. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're probably right about that, that too. I, I did like how at the very end, after the house gets destroyed and um, the color goes back out into space or whatever, like that big cyclone comes up, um, everything is like white ash. Like all the color has been sucked out of like a mile radius of, of, around the house. It's really cool looking. Some of the visuals were fantastic in this movie. I don't know what it was, but at one point when she's doing her chant at the beginning, it was the one at the beginning of the movie, when she's mm-hmm. doing her chant... I keep in mind, I was alone. The only people around me were my dogs. But when she's doing her chant, I just went earth, air, fire, water. The four yeah, kings. It, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is like Avatar, the last bear, airbender. It, it definitely, yeah. When she was um, pointing out the different, that's exactly what it, that or Captain Planet. Yeah. Uh, part of me was like, and she's going to finish with heart. Is she going to do heart? Nope. But yeah, I, I mean, anytime you have like the elemental stuff, it's like, really ingrained in pop culture right now and it's like a shorthand for that type of thing like it's it's really easy to pick up on that type of stuff also when i when i was a kid like lavinia would have totally been the girl that i would have had a crush on like oh (laughs) she's into witches and shit you were into witches and shit no no you were into girls that were into witches and shit yeah i mean spiritual girls who wasn't stevie nicks people who can heal you with energy crystals <laughs> yeah align your chakras straight down the middle exactly yeah yeah mine are all out of whack i can imagine so as we get to the end of this I think the biggest takeaway is that Nicolas Cage in this movie, 
I wouldn't say... I would say Mandy was his comeback, but this is like, oh yeah, there's that Nicolas Cage we all know and love. Uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Like, this was... Because he, he had... I haven't seen Mandy, so I, I can't really speak to this, but it seemed like in this, he walked that like fine line between like being kind of crazy and being uh, a normal person. Like a, it felt like Nicolas Cage acting, like when he's talking to his wife, he felt like he was inhabiting a character and it wasn't just a Nicolas Cage freak out type of deal, which is actually something that Richard Stanley had mentioned on that podcast I was talking about where like him and Cage had some very specific uh talks about when to do the freak out and there's really only two real cage freakouts in this movie the the tomato scene and then the sequence where he's in the car and he's just kind of like flailing around um i mean there's some like cage going over but that's the only time he really takes it to like a 10 i would say <laughs> ah the bees <laughs> That's a deleted scene. Okay, so I, I, I know that's like the common takeaway from Wicker Man, but that was not in that movie. That was a deleted scene that uh, it's in the they clearly cut, cut because of... Oh, is it really? Okay, I've never seen the director's cut. So yeah, I rewatched Wicker Man re- recently, actually, the original. Um, interesting movie. The original one's great. It, it, it's very 70s. It's very slow. I don't even think it's like scary until I don't even think the ending's scary. I, like people revere it as this great horror movie, and I don't know if I'm just looking at it through the wrong well, lens. But that's what people say about Midsummer now. I'm like that movie didn't really scare me. It's just weird. I didn't like Midsummer at all. I, I was not. I don't want to say I was lied to about it. Uh, it was just not a movie that I enjoyed. My problem with Midsummer is when I see a horror movie, I don't want it in broad daylight. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that the issue with Midsummer was the marketing. They they marketed it as a horror movie when it I don't think it really is. Like it has some horror elements to it, but that doesn't necessarily make it a horror movie. It's more like a psychological I think that, thriller. Like Yeah, and, and Ari Aster, the director, I believe he actually described it as like just like a it's like a breakup movie. Like it's a really interesting relationship story. Sometimes um, that you just happens have to, to be set. Spoiler alert. Put your husband uh, your boyfriend into a bear costume, light him on fire and join a cult. The ending was fantastic. Like the the ending, the opening and the ending were like the bookended that movie fantastically. Like they were both like pretty grisly sequences um, as a horror fra- fan. But the middle was just. I, I like slow burns. I, I love Hereditary. Like that's another good example of a, of a slow burn of a movie that like builds to something. Um, but I just wasn't as interested in, in her in Hereditary. Now with this movie, I felt like it was a horror movie, but at the same time. It was more of a sci-fi movie, but, like, it never sci-fied. Yeah, it, like, it, I, I, you're, that's, like, a perfect description for it. Because, like, it's toying with, like, otherworldly elements that feel historically like they'd be uh, at home in science fiction. Because you're dealing with things from space and meteorites and, and whatnot. But the, the, you know, like Lovecraft, the, the entity that we're dealing with is never really corporeal it's never something that we can like even grasp and so the movie almost gets like a pass in that sense um but yeah there was definitely some like horror sequences but it wasn't like from the word go a spooky movie well he never did his original idea i think i would have liked this movie a lot more if richard stanley did it like he wanted he wanted to do a 1950s monster movie he should have done it like a 1950s monster movie it should have been set in the 50s or early 60s and like Cage should have been in a nice suit or a Farmer Fran costume. Like like if he did it more of the time period that he wanted to, 
I feel like I could have got on board, especially if he did like the Frank Darabont and shot in black and white, but the color itself was colored. Oh shit, that'd be great! Like a like a Schindler's List type of symbolism type of thing. That'd be really cool. You went with Schindler's List. I was thinking Wizard of Oz, but or or Pleasantville. I don't know. It was the first thing that came to my mind. Where well, see, Wizard of Oz, like. Uh, I don't think that necessarily lines up with what you're saying because like yeah. Wizard of Oz is either all black and white or all color, but like um, Pleasantville or Schindler's List. I'm just trying to think of other movies. Pleasantville where, like, is the jo- best like, example. I will agree with that because Schindler's List. I mean, Holocaust. Obviously, it's a very very different. And the only color is that one little girl. Yes, but yeah, Pleasantville is um, the best example. And then at the end, to have like Ward standing on top of the dam, and he's in color now. Like that would have been. I would have liked to. Oh, oh, fuck. Let's rewrite this right now. Um, yeah. So black and white until the color comes. And then so you have the things like the flowers that, that, are, that are blooming. Like those are going to be in different color because that was very. And, um, the, the family needs to stay in black and white and the house itself. But like around it, it starts growing yep. color. The, the color starts to creep, and then as they're drinking the water, they become more and more, like, colorified. And it would be even be interesting if, like, someone like Tommy Chong, like, let's say, like, because he's smoking all that weed or something. Like, this is, this is a very standard horror trope where, like, uh, Cabin... Uh, Cabin in the Woods does this, where like the the person who tends to do a lot of drugs doesn't get as affected by whatever is, is happening to them. So like maybe he doesn't even go insane. He just like gets, uh, he knows that it's coming. So he like commits suicide. So when they find his corpse, his corpse is still in black and white, but it's like it's got some color like creeping in around it or something like that. That could be cool. Um, but Ward never drinks the water. So at the end, when he's standing in a a sea of color, he is still in black. That's and white. what I would like to see. Yeah. Okay, we're remaking this right and, now. Richard Stanley, call me. <laughs> and th- that's what I would like. Also, I would have loved, you know, for Cage to be HP Lovecraft. Yes. Yeah, that would have been cool. Um, with what the, we were talking about this earlier, like they're doing um, a trilogy at this point. And so uh, Stanley specifically uh, doesn't want to tell or say what the what the final movie in the trilogy is going to be. But the next one is, what is it, Out of Dunsmith or something yeah. like that? What's it called? Uh, the Dunwich Horror. The next one is Dunwich Horror, which deals much more directly with the Cthulhu mythos. So I would not be shocked if the third movie that he does is The Call of Cthulhu which would be really cool because I don't think that we've ever seen like a proper adaptation of that, or at least not a modern one that's been good. I, I would like for him to keep the same cast in every movie, do like like a, almost like an anthology movie series, and it's just the same mm. actors. That would be cool. I, I would be up for that. Also, I, I think I think they're setting up some. Yeah, obviously, Cage, Cage needs to be back in some capacity. But I think they're setting up like the town of Arkham, and they're they're probably going to reuse the mayor. They're probably going to reuse. Um, I would imagine Ward. Like, there's probably some characters that'll stick through it. But I I think that yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. But that'd be neat. So bagels. Oh, um, okay. So is that a thirteen? Is that how this yep. works? Okay. Uh, I would say, sorry, I just hit my mic. I would, I would say that this one. I feel like three out, like so, a ten out of thirteen. That's how it feels to me. It it was a good movie. It kept my attention the entire way through. There was like one or two little like sticking points that that didn't super land for me, but for the most part, I appreciated what it did. Um. Yeah, I'm going to go with the 10. I'm literally split right down the middle. Like, I appreciate it for the movie it is, 
but I'm doing six and a half because like at times this movie made me so sick to my stomach where like I, I didn't really eat for the rest of the day because I had those images like burned into my brain. It's fair. So yeah, I'll do. So uh, yeah, I'll do six point five, and you know, I think IRS Nicholas Cage was the right way to end this month. Like, I'm glad. Yeah, and uh, our next episode we're doing a season finale. I haven't done a season finale ever. I was gonna say I don't think you've ever split the show into seasons, well, right? I so mean, technically we're on season pick- three. If, so what what makes you pick this next one as a season finale? I'm tired. Episode 134 or something? Oh, so you're taking a break. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a break from August until September. And then now you're every cool. Saturday morning. We'll be back. Nice. Um, That's exciting. So we're, I'm doing another music video one with uh, Rock Candy. They've been on the podcast. They did that thing you do. So Maggie and Ashley will be back. And I'll be posting cool. the music video playlist on our uh, Twitter and Instagram and social media and Facebook. So yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, the music video thing was a lot of fun. I remember we that. We recorded so I, I that think already, actually. Oh, cool, great. Yeah. So uh, that's really exciting. So oh, so you you're taking a break, but you've already got something in the bucket for or in the can for when you start up again. That's no, so no. You can take, the you know, season finale get an even longer is break. that the music video is the season. Finale. Oh, that's the season finale. Yeah. Just kidding. For some reason, I thought you said that's what when you're coming back. No, 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 not your average Saturday morning. Forgive me, but I do have that prepared of what we're gonna do for not your average Saturday morning. Spoiler nice. alert, who remembers the Punky Brewster episode with the Challenger? Whoa, what, was it like the Kristen McAuliffe thing? Yep. Oh my God, I did not remember that. I only remember, I think, I guarantee you I've talked about this on the show. I only remember one Punky Brewster episode, and it's the one where she gets stuck in the cave. It's the only one I remember. Er, Punky. Punky. Er, Punky. No, I, I picked that one because it's the most fucked up one. Yeah, and there's one yeah, where, where where Cherry gets stuck in a refrigerator and almost asphyxiates herself. Well, that was like a thing, right? Like, didn't like I mean, it probably happened to like five kids, and that was enough to cause like a national panic. But that's that's still crazy. Back in the day when five once. kids caused, <laughs> right? And fucking look at today, Tide Pods. Shit. <laughs> I was thinking more coronavirus. Yeah, I don't want to really think about caused. Corona anymore. Fair. Um, so, yeah, Dwight, do you want to promote anything? Uh, I got nothing. I don't know. I'm not doing much these days. Uh, technically, I've got no refunds. Uh, we haven't put on an episode since April, and before that was November 1st of last year. So uh, that's not going to uh, – what's what I'm looking for here? Uh, steady. Uh, yeah, other than that, no. I, don't know, I might start streaming video games soon. It's No Refunds Podcast on Twitch. Um, You're yeah, always welcome back on here. Oh, thank you. What are you doing next week? Let's let's do another one. I'm not gonna let you take a break. No, I'm so tired. <laughs> nope, Scott, I'm back full time. Let's so go. Uh, we're doing we're doing another one. Nah, uh, this is fun. It's always a, it's always a blast to be on. I know it's like pulling teeth to get me to come here, so I'm sorry that that ra- wrangling me down is hard. I'm a bad friend. You're not I'm a bad friend. About that I think. Uh, I'm I'm just so it's so hard. I never respond to people. My like, people, my favorite got, thing, if you don't mind me spoiling this for people. I'll Not text Dwight, and sometimes I feel like your like color color of space like time is nonlinear for you. <laughs> oh right, and because you get like four or five responses from me, like because I'll go back and I'll try and answer all of your. Yeah, questions. I'll, I'll message you like 
one week and then like a couple of weeks go by and then like blah 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 blah. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I I I, I text in chunks and then uh, good luck getting me back again. <laughs> I'm I but that's a that's a known issue that I have. I, I should start um, tricking you and be like, hey, I have this vintage horror stuff. Oh, this video mm-hmm. game is still in the box from 1986. <laughs> that's a big deal. That's a big. That's a very big deal. No one kept their boxes in 1986. Someone were, just sold for five hundred thousand uh, dollars. What was it, like a track and field or um, world class? It's like a no, Mario Brothers. A. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Mario. Oh, okay, that's our Super Mario. Interesting. So- that's very interesting because that was not that they were some of the most heavily produced games, but. That's cool. That's awesome. It's still in the packaging, and in the plastic. Uh, maybe case that's too. The, yeah. That that's the hard part is finding them like when they're shrink wrapped or they're, they're they're still sealed. Like that's that's incredibly rare now. Someone must have stole that from Caldors. <laughs> I would imagine. Like why else? That's cool. I've actually got Super Mario two in box. But yeah, so um, that that's about it. Right there. Look at that. Oh Look wow! That shit. I told you. Yeah, was it me? No, it wasn't. I got it in a box. No, oh, okay. No, uh, Lauren Lapkus. Still, it, oh, fuck. It's still... Oh, was it Lauren Lapkus? I believe so. Look at it. It's still got the fucking... This is close to that. It's still got the shrink wrap on it <laughs> from when it was originally sold. Damn. Um, How much did this sell for? So, Dwight, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Sorry to get derailed. I'm excited about video games. Let's talk about video games for, for an That's hour. That's your podcast. Um, yeah, that's What's true. a video uh, game? Yes. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, Video games are awesome. I just got Windjammers on my Neo Geo arcade machine downstairs. I've been playing that. Super fun. Um, thank you so much for having no me, problem. Scott. Like I said, I'm, I'm sorry that it's a pain in the ass to get me on no. here, but it's always a blast when I do. Um, hopefully, we can do this again at some point soon, and you know, we can talk about... I don't know. October's coming up. I like spooky things. We can maybe do a spooky thing podcast. Yeah, I actually have something that I was going to pitch you. Oh, cool. Uh, well, I don't know if you you want you probably want to talk I'll about talk it off air, Mike. But, okay, okay, because I got I got some I got some fucked up stuff that we can watch, like fucked up old stuff that that's not weird or whatever, but that could be fun. Um, cool. So yeah, find us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and email us your stuff at writersbagelbasket at gmail Until next time, I still get those. What? I'm still I'm I'm still on your I'm still a part of the Facebook notifications. Oh, nice. I get notifications all the time being like, "Hey, Writer's Bagel Basket, do you want to um do you want to promote your thing?" And I'm like, "I'm not Scott. No." Sorry. <laughs> you were you were signing off and I'm being rude. <laughs> so, until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. I'm Dwight Stearns. Oh. Bye. Oh. I, I I don't know how you do this no, anymore. No, no, Did no. I mess that up? Okay, yet? let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Do you want me to say yes. my name? Here? Until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. I'm Dwight Stern. Bye. Bye.